In today's episode, we're going to talk about their games against the Boston Celtics and the New York Knicks. We're going to talk about Kelly's new piece dropping. He got to sit down with Coach Turner to talk about the Rockets paint defense. And then we're going to talk about their upcoming game against the Los Angeles Clippers. Speaking of looking fresh, is that velvet you have? <laughs> Biggie Velvet. Mo Dackel. This guy's amazing. Welcome to a new episode of Brody and the Beard. I'm your host, Mo Duckhill, and with me, as always, my co-pilot, my guy I rock with, Kelly Eco, the athletic beat writer for the Houston Rockets. You're listening to the Athletic Podcast Network. A uh, little bit scary today, guys. We got no Sasha Shaw producing yet. She's going to come in after the fact, so uh, it's going to be an adventure. We're going to see how this rolls. But first, Kelly, how you doing, man? Doing good as ever, man. You know. I don't know how we're going to do this without Sasha, but uh, we're going to try. It's going to be, it, it, it's like our parents aren't around. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of, I'm a little bit worried. Like, it's like, uh, we got a big thing to handle and it's like, okay, we can't screw this up. And uh, if we do, uh, hopefully Sasha can fix it in post-production. Otherwise, sorry, folks. Sasha, we're going to, don't worry. Uh, Mo and I got this. We're going to make you proud. I hope. Uh, <laughs> but let's, let's get into it, man. Yeah. First off, set. Last Saturday, great game against the Boston Celtics. Oh, man. Uh, oh, man. Pre- pretty impressive. I mean, the Rockets go down 17. It looks like the, the Celtics are rolling. Then they come roaring back in the in the second half. <laughs> it goes to overtime on probably one of the craziest plays I've seen. <laughs> yeah. And then the Rockets, you know, I mean, and then it's a battle in overtime going back and forth and then – Finally, you know, the uh, the Rockets come away with the win. Overall, what was your impressions from the the game against the Celtics? Well, first, I want to set the scene of what was, you know, an incredible night. Up in media row, you know, the esteemed media row, as I should say, I'm sitting next to Jonathan Fagan. I'm sitting next to Tracy McGrady, the Rachel Nichols, you know, just a lot of who's who in media. And it just felt like a playoff game from the sense of, Everybody was glued into every position. You know, coming into the game, you, you understood that the Celtics were looking for revenge, uh, having lost to Houston you know, a couple of weeks earlier. And from the beginning of the game, I just thought that, you know, Boston was kind of asserting himself as that team in, in the Eastern Conference. You know, Jason Tatum, you know, of course, is, is the, the, the tail of the tape right now in the Eastern Conference. And the Rockets kind of hung around for a little bit. They were down 17. It took them a while to get going. But I thought that fourth quarter was really indicative of just how good this team can be if everything is clicking on defense. You know, we saw T- Tucker, Covington, just everywhere on the, on the offensive and defensive glass. We saw Russ just being at his best, attacking the basket, just doing whatever he wanted to do. Like, like I said, the shot that went to overtime – Everyone sitting on that road thought the game was over at that point because the Rockets did everything they, they could do to win that game and the Celtics did everything they could do to lose that game in the last minute. Lo and behold, the small ball doesn't get the rebound and, you know, they go to overtime. But all in all said, great game, great atmosphere, and, and 
there was a sense after the game, you know, just seeing the emotion at center court that I'm not saying it will happen, but there was a sense between those guys that they could see each other again. Yeah, I mean, it definitely felt like a playoff atmosphere there. And, and you know, everybody I've heard who was sitting near you, Kelly, all thought, you know, they were like, man, we're sitting next to Kelly Eco. Like they were they, they felt leveled up a bit by uh, by sitting next to you. But overall, I mean, Russ had a great game, 41 points, you know, eight rebounds, five assists, kind of, you know, just doing what he's been doing the past few weeks since they've they've gone to the small ball stuff. And I'm not necessarily sure I trust that either team is going to make it to the finals. But in general, this was a great game. And this is a game where they both kind of match up the same way. I mean, I know Boston plays Daniel Tice, a, a, a big man, quite a bit. But for the most part, they're a relatively small team. So it was kind of fun to watch this play out with the Rockets and 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 they going back and forth. What anything else really kind of stand out to you about this one? You know, the Rockets have shown an ability to well, if you were to compare this game to a game in say November, December, you know, and they were down 17, I, I really think that this team would have packed it in and gone home. Um, but there's been a some kind of a switch. And I, and I asked the guys about it after the game. Just what has been that switch? Like, when did it come? And, you know, I got the general answer. Like, this is how our mentality should always be. Blah, blah, blah. It just seems like there's been a switch. Um, I, can't put my, I can't put my finger on it. But it's there. I, I don't know how to describe it. I just pertaining to the big games. There's a, a bit of a, a added focus. You know, with the playoffs so close that. There's not a lot of room for mistakes, and obviously, as a team, you want to send a message to you know another big team. But I think the Rockets are more mature than a couple months ago. Well, it's interesting that you kind of bring up like the the focus, right, of playing the big game and and things like that. And it was a big game. It was the ABC prime time game. It was you know, like you said, Rachel Nichols, Tracy McGrady was there. You know, uh, that all the everyone showed out for that one. But then two nights later. They drop one to the Knicks, you know, the the real tight game, which really probably shouldn't be a lot of tight games against the Knicks to begin with. But they go into Madison Square Garden and, and end up losing. And like that's kind of, you know, a thing where you feel like they lost focus. And that really that game was kind of telling in the sense of they got out rebounded 65 to 34. They gave up 20 offensive rebounds in that game. Like, that's just insane. You know, like uh, 64 points in the paint. Like, that's that big or small. You do that in any game. Like, you're probably not going to win. You know, Mike D'Antoni's, he's always talked about being out-rebounded and not really caring about it. But the thing that he cared about was second-chance points. And they gave up a bunch of them. Um, at times, the Knicks just got whatever they wanted. You know, there was a, there was a possibility, and he said after the game that there was an emotional letdown coming from the Boston game. At this point in the season, I didn't really buy that as much because every game from here on out should be considered a playoff game. With you so close to Denver and the Clippers in the standings, I said this earlier. There's not a, a margin for error. You can't drop games and say because we beat Boston, you know, we can lose to New York because. The Clippers aren't doing it. right. No, well, I mean the Clippers are kind of are, but it's it, they. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean now. Right. I'm saying like, yeah, last night Denver 
somehow, someway lost to Golden State. Right. You know, like, but, it's, you're, you're going to have bad losses. The thing that surprised me the most was the, the rebounding number was so shocking in the sense, and I know Coach D'Antonio said, like, he doesn't mind that out getting out-rebounded or anything like that. But the thing is, since they've gone small and really since they brought Covington in, they hadn't been out-rebounded. Like, you know, they might lose the rebounding battle by one or two, but to me, that's not being out-rebounded. That's literally two different times the ball bounced the other way or anything like that. So they've done a phenomenal job rebounding as a collective group, as a five, five guys on the floor. But this time and in this game, it just really, it was just an avalanche. It was just, you know, the Knicks getting more and more chances at it than, than the, the Rockets. It's just a massive thing and a, and, and a big setback in that sense. Yeah, it's just, you know, like you said, it's just a combination of things that, that they have to clean up with the Clippers coming in town, the Lakers coming up. You know, they still got to see Milwaukee. You know, they have a lot of big games coming up. So what's going to be their collective, the mentality in those games? No, and there's one more thing I want to talk about. And I saw it in both the Boston game and the, and the Knicks game that I, that I found kind of interesting was there are times where their spacing is a little bit off to me. They'll have three guys on the same side of the court, basically, you know, and hard and dribbling at the top. And, you know, I know they're trying to set up maybe like a, a pin in screen, but to me, what ends up happening is when you have those three guys on the same side of the court, there's just not enough space. And that allows the defense to send a help defender into the paint. And now they can guard three guys with two, you know, counting on if it ends up to the third guy that somebody will have rotated over by that, at that point to take that third man away. And I'm very surprised by that. Like when I look at their spacing and everything, there are times where I see that and I'm just like, man, that's a, that's a weird situation. I mean, even the layup that Harden missed that, you know, he should have made probably anyways to uh, tie the game or, or, or take the lead. It happened on that play and it looked like, you know, RJ Barrett just kind of surprised him because he was able to roll right into the paint at the last second. And that, I think, kind of messed James up a bit when he missed that layup. So that kind of hurt them a bit. I was, I was a bit caught off guard by that. They've fallen to creatures of habit, you know, down the stretch. They kind of had to wake up a bit towards the end of the game, given that the Knicks were, you know, looking real danger of coming away with a big win. So to your thing about Harden being surprised a bit, I just think it was more of them trying to wake up and, and trying to come to the party too late. As opposed to how they approach the game with the same mentality that they that they did Boston. Now, that, of course, that's hard because the Knicks are nineteen to forty two, but and they have their own problems going on. But it was, I just don't think you have you have time to 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 let up, right? And I think more importantly, each game they should be looking at as like playoff prep, you know, and like this is stuff we want to do in the playoffs, and this is the things you know we got to kind of start to ramp up as we get ready for it. Uh, in that sense, but you know. Coming off this game, the Knicks gave, I mean, I'm sorry, the Knicks had 64 points in the paint. I want to talk about your piece here coming up because you're able to talk with Coach Turner, who's in charge of the defense, about their defense and protecting the paint. You know, what what were some of the stuff you came away from, you know, in your conversation with Coach Turner? First and foremost, talking to Coach Turner is always a pleasure. He's just an old school guy. When it comes to explaining what's going on in the paint with him, um, he talked about a lot of slips, you know, obviously they switch everything. So 
a slip is is a normal counter to you know that kind of a defensive strategy, but it just goes back to what he was talking about earlier in the season, which is communication. You know, there are ways. There, are, of course, a slip you know is the best way to beat a switch because it forces your defense to to be on its toes and be alert. But it's, it doesn't mean it's the end all be all for you know that position. You can still communicate, rotate, and do and do what you have to do to to come with the possession. Um, but talking to him, he would always go over plays. He would ask me to play a play again, you know, just trying to see what happened. There were plays where either somebody didn't, you know, talk on the play or somebody didn't realize something too late. And just the general theme was communication. I thought it was a real good experience talking to him, just trying to see everything from his point of view and, and you know, hearing it from the horse's mouth. Right. And, and just to kind of explain to everybody what a slip is, you know, that's when a guy's coming to set a ball screen or, or, or just any screen. Maybe it's off the ball. And the screener basically goes from, you know, just before the screen happens, cutting right to the hoop and it's, it's slipping to the basket. So for anybody that's not aware of what Kelly's talking about, and it is common, like when you have teams switch defenses, you know, it's, it's hard because the guy who's defending the screener is waiting for the ball handler to come over the screen. And, you know, while that's happening, his man cuts to the hoop and it, and it creates situations where either the, the guy who slips open or both defenders go with the man slipping and leave the ball. It, it, it can create miscommunications and things like that. So I think you tend to have that stuff in there with it, it just that that's just kind of a normal thing you deal with, with the uh, slip defenses and it comes down to the most important thing as always communication and, and how you're talking about it. Did he, did coach Turner feel like he, that, that he, this is something they're going to be able to overcome pretty easily. The way he talked about it, he said that it's a veteran group that they, they know what they're doing. Um, it's just the little things they have to tweak. And it makes sense given that, you know, they, they did just get covered in what, 10, 11 games ago. They're still, it's still new in the in the the small ball relationship, you know, full time, and it's things that I, that actually are controllable. Like like I said, this was the first game that they've been out rebounded, you know, by that crazy of a margin, you know, and giving up that many second chance points. It's been a while since that happened, so it's not. I wouldn't call it a glaring issue. I would just call it something that to keep an eye on because, you know, if the Knicks can do that, you know, the Lakers can do that. Well, that's my question. Do you think the Jazz can do that? Do you think this is going to be a blueprint? Do you think teams are going to look at this and it's and it's weird considering how bad the Knicks have been? The teams are going to look at it going like, "Yo, that's the blueprint." You know, like I felt teams have stayed big with you know against the Rockets. I just felt like this was the first game where the the rebounding wasn't where it needed to be. Yeah, well, obviously teams are going to look at something that works anytime it does work, especially with a team like the Knicks. But honestly. I think it was more the Rockets just, you know, not taking them seriously. Then a team suddenly figuring something out against them. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly interesting to see how that that's going to play out going further and, and into the future. But, Kelly, man, we got a big game coming up here. It's going to be it's, – it's, it's basically showtime at the Apollo. We got the uh, – I don't even know if anybody gets that reference anymore. Uh but uh, they don't. did you just say no, like flat out, just kind of crush that? Uh, I said, no, they don't. I get it. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. Way to make me feel old, Kelly. Thank you. Um, but the Clippers are coming into town. You're going to get to see the boys up front. This is, 
I mean, this is the way they're playing. A lot of people are looking at them going like, man, this is probably going to be the team that's going to make it to the finals. Like there's a lot of talk behind that, even though they're second in the in the West and, and behind the Lakers and the Rockets have already beaten them, you know, two out of three times. This is a chance to win the season series. <laughs> Just looking into it, coming into it, what's what's the sense you get from the guys? Do you feel like we both know they get up for these types of games? You know, what's their mindset as they're going into this one? Well, this will be their, their I guess, their fourth meeting this season. Uh, I think that the guys, obviously, they're going to be amped up, but they're going to be, they have some some work to do, you know, given the Knicks game and that turned out. It's a good game. It's going to be a great game. You're going to see the Clippers on their level, which has been, you know, phenomenal in the last couple of days. Um, we're we're going to get a chance to see how their new additions fit in. Bridget Jackson. You know, Morris, how they're going to impact the rotation. Other teams are going to try and match Houston's small ball for times of the game. You know, they have, they have the, tools to, the tools to do so. So um, I'm going to be looking for the tool, looking, looking at the matchups and more so seeing how, you know, the small ball chess works out. But honestly, I, I think that the Clippers, well, I think the Rockets should be able to win at home. Uh, I think an, another loss, a second loss in a row would be pretty devastating for them right now. Um, but it should be a great game. I don't know if it necessarily would be devastating, but I think what's going to be interesting for me about this game is that this is a team that plays small as well. Like the Clippers, not as small as the Rockets, but they have that ability. You know, they can, if they really want to, you know, Doc can go with a, you know, Patrick Beverly, Reggie Jackson, Kawhi, PG, and, and Marcus Morris. You know, and and and, and kind of go small and really sort of attack the the Rockets that way and and combat this this small ball lineup. Like it'll be interesting to see how long Doc stays with uh, Avika Zubac, uh, who I like to call Jovan Buha's cousin. But I, it'll be interesting to see how that how long Doc stays with that. It'll be interesting to see what they do with you know how how the Clippers look when Montrez Harrell's on the court and how D'Antoni attacks when. Uh, Harold's on the court. Obviously, the Rockets know pretty good, have a pretty good amount of information about Trez, haven't had him a few years ago. So there's that understanding of of this thing. Like this is gonna be a bit of a chess match in the small ball world in that sense. And I think, you know, it's 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 gonna be a challenge for the Rockets. And I look at it as kind of like a a measuring up game because even though they're two and one against the the Clippers, none of that was with this new iteration of them going completely small. So I'm going to be very curious to kind of see how their small ball lineup, how their small ball attack is going to handle the, the clips going in this one. Yeah. I have a question for you. You know, you, you spent time around the Clippers, you know, for a while. And defensively, are you seeing any similar schemes with how Doc is defending now than in the past? You know, especially considering the fact that they will send a double at Harden at times and force everyone else to beat them, you know, with ball movement and rotations and stuff. But are you seeing any similarities defensively, like back then and now? When I was there, it was a completely different team. But what I'm seeing with this squad is Doc has a lot of defensive versatility. You know, if, you know, I don't think Zubac is a great rim protector, but if they need height, they're going to put Zubac in. You know, I think they have that ability with Marcus Morris to go small. And we saw it in the, in their game against the Sixers over the weekend, which I'm not sure how many people caught, uh, 
you know, Doc pulled out a three quarters court one two two press, you know, and 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 was able to go full court, and that's something I hadn't seen him do very often this season. You know, Doc's going to play with zones and things like that. Like I think he has that ability with this roster, you know, to ha- just have more defensive versatility, play around a lot more, willing to 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 experiment more with things and and see where they're at. I mean, I mean, just think about it this way: Patrick Beverly's, you know, got it. Big defensive re- uh, reputation. I mean, Kawhi Leonard's called the claw for a reason, right? He just rips the ball out of people's hands all the time. You have Paul George, who was before getting injured last year was was considered for possibly MVP and 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 talked about as a defensive player of the year. I mean, you have guys there that can bring that defensive mentality just on the perimeter alone. So I think they're they're able to play more defensively and and, and experiment. So. I think this is kind of like Doc's playing with a new toy, you know, and, and and each game he might tinker and we might see some things. We might, you know, he might pull out that press to kind of just slow down the the Rockets kind of attack because the, the thing is, make or miss, if they get inbound that ball into to Russ, Russ is going to go, man. He's going to try to attack and get quick buckets. And I think those are things that might be how Doc might counter it with like a press here and there and and to try to just slow things up to see if he can't get Russ to try to slow down, which is never an easy feat. Do you think, you know, since we're on, you know, technical foul watch, do you think he gets tech tonight? Because he really should have got one. Well, I thought he was going to get one in the, the Celtics game, but he didn't get one. But do you think he gets his 15th tonight or oh, on Thursday? I hope not because you and I got that little gentleman's bet going there. So <laughs> you got to get a little bit nervous whenever he's going to see Patrick Beverly, right? Like, because that's yeah. going to get get antsy. And I was wrong last week. I thought they were going to rescind that technical and it, it looks like they never did. Um, so I'm a little bit concerned with that. And, you know, it'll, it'll be something to keep up. But since he got that tech, he's been pretty good you know and 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 hasn't picked up another one but that's only been two games right so we'll we'll have to see i'm definitely going to be a bit nervous thursday seeing if he picks up another tech and going back to your point about defense i just think the clippers have you know five guys who, who are dogs on the floor everyone has seen what the rockets have done but the clippers you know with paul george Kawhi, pat beverly they have the ability to to do that and then some you know because those guys are just as Defensively adept as as Houston is, so it's going to be a fantastic game. Yeah, and I think you know the the way we you've said it more than most all year. You know this team's going to come up for the big time games when a big time opponent comes. You know I think that's kind of what we've seen from the Clippers for the most part. I mean, just look back to what they did to Boston. I'm sorry, what they did to Denver last Friday. I mean, they just crushed the Nuggets. So. You know, I, I I know they're coming in there a little bit with that mentality. So before we go, though, Kelly, what do you got? Rockets winning, Clippers winning. What's going to happen? Uh, I got the Rockets winning by four. By four. By four. Okay. One hundred nine, one hundred five. Yeah. I'm gonna go Clippers by eight. The Clippers are not gonna win that game in Houston. They're not. It's not gonna happen. Okay, well, I'm going Clippers by eight. Still not going to sway me, <laughs> Kelly. That's not going to happen, man. I'm not going to allow it. Speaking of sway, did you see what happened to uh, Joe Biden? What? No, I'm. I, I'm sorry. What he, happened? He won in Texas last night. He won. He won. You know, for Super Tuesday, he he won Texas 218 delegates. That's uh, a home of the conversation. 
we we're, we're pivoting to political podcast here, Kelly. What's <laughs> no, just talking about swing? So that's what I thought. Well, before we get uh, too crazy here or find ourselves in some sort of hot water, Kelly, I think it's time to pull the plug on that um, <laughs> before before we get trouble. But folks, make sure to read the athletic, subscribe to it. You can get a ton of great writing. You're gonna if you don't subscribe, you're gonna miss out on this great piece Kelly has with coach Turner, where they talk, you know, about the defense and it's going to be extremely enlightening. I'm, I'm waiting for it to drop. It's going to be awesome. I highly recommend it. Kelly has a ton of great stuff on there. There's a ton of great national writers out there. I highly recommend you guys subscribe. And if you're not a subscriber, you can get 40% off. If you go to theathletic.com slash Brody and the beard, 40% off an annual subscription. You can't go wrong. I highly recommend it. You're going to be able to read all of Kelly's stuff. Trust me, you won't regret it. Kelly, you got anything to add? Uh, no. Got retweet. <laughs> if, if only that was how the real world worked, Kelly. You could just hit retweet after I say something. Um, but for Kelly Eco, for Moda Kill, we out. <laughs> <laughs>